0: The Pat
1: Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.
0: Motors won't be able to buy any new diesel and petrol vehicles by 2035, according to a new decision by the EU. I'm joined in studio by Conor Faulkner, transport consultant, and on the line by Michael Healy Ray, independent TD for Kerry, and from Brussels by Kieran Cuff, who's the Green Party MVP for Dublin. Good morning, one and all, and welcome, uh, Kieran. We'll go to Brussels first. What have you guys gone and done?
2: Well, this has been in the pipeline for some time. As part of the European Green Deal, uh, we are passing uh, around about 15 different laws to decarbonize Europe and create new jobs uh, and cleaner air uh, around the continent. So one of the laws that was being discussed actually here in strasbourg yesterday as it happens was the uh the emission limits on new cars uh and vans and we voted yesterday uh from 2020 uh, 2035 uh we would tighten up the co2 emission performance standards that's a long way a bit of a mouthful but in essence it means we will move be moving beyond petrol and diesel as the power sources for yeah. cars. I mean, the way you us, put it, I'm sorry,
0: I said Brussels instead of Strasbourg because I can't keep track of your movements. It would seem cheaper to do it in one place. That's another story, um, and certainly greener to do it in one place. I have to say, Kieran. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, the way you put it is a hundred percent reduction in CO2 by 2035. That's kind well, of the technical I mean, we way are, you put we it. Are,
2: Essentially phasing out the sale of petrol and diesel cars and vans by 2035. So we're 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 12 years away from this happening, and and I think long before then we will see the price of these vehicles, the, the range increasing and the price coming down to match or even be less than uh, the current prices that are being paid for, for petrol. Yeah. Now there, there vehicle
0: will vehicle. Uh, I've seen for example if you take 12 from 23 uh, you get down to 2011. I've seen plenty of 2011 cars in Great Nick around the place. Twenty of, Plenty of 2005 cars around the place in Decent Nick. So not all the cars that are bought today or yesterday or tomorrow are going to be clapped out by the time this thing comes in. So How will those cars be fuelled?
2: But obviously um, uh, we we do this incrementally and banning the sale of of, uh, high emission vehicles from 2035 is a start. But clearly there will still be petrol and diesel uh, vehicles on the road long after we ban the sale of them.
0: Now, there will be some exemptions. I I note in the the, uh, rules that uh, manufacturers that produce less than a 1,000 vans, say, a year, will be exempt from these restrictions. What's that all about?
2: Well, essentially, Pat, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card for Ferrari and other manufacturers of these crazily expensive vehicles. Uh, And, you know, whenever we pass new laws in Europe, there's always some kind of an exception for some kind of country or some kind of industry. And really, for the Italians, uh, they feel it would be a blow to the head if they were being told to... Phase out these supercars. Personally, I think we should. I think we should go electric with all of these vehicles. Uh, but clearly, the Italians got their way and they they got uh, approval across the line to continue making these mm. uh, crazily priced uh, supercars. Yeah. We Look-
0: already have Formula E in uh, you know, which will probably eventually be what Formula One will become. And there's uh, electrical uh, support for the engines in Formula One racing, even at the moment. And I think Ford are joining up with Red Bull uh, in order to develop uh, these uh, hybrid type engines and ultimately electric vehicles for uh, Formula One. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what the Italians are up to.
2: Well, I think if you go to uh, Modena or Maranello and talk to people working with Ferrari, they would make the case that they are the... Uh, you know, the pr- pride, proud Italian industry. I, I disagree with that, Pat, but uh, it's hard to uh, get the votes to go in the opposite direction. But look, I think the implications of the vote yesterday is that it's giving a signal uh, to the industry so that they can prepare in advance of most uh, diesel and car uh, and petrol car production ending, probably in advance of 2035. In the US, we're already seeing the prices for some vehicles uh, come down for electric vehicles below the price of car of petrol and uh, diesel yeah. when, certainly when you take into account the incentives yeah, and, and, and there for are low some, emission vehicles. There
0: are some competitive uh, vehicles in this economy at the moment. Conor Faulkner is about to buy one of them. Uh, indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the uh, modern
1: private electric car is really coming of age. Um, and as Kieron says, 2035 is a long way away. So how long is 12 years in smartphone technology? You remember the smartphone of 2011? And I can anticipate that there will be a huge surge of research and development money from the big old Auto industry being pointed in this direction. It's already happening. Volkswagen are spending a phenomenal amount of money and they're going to phase out the production of um, internal combustion engines in the next two years. So it is coming. Like Kieran, I wouldn't be too worried about the Ferraris and the exceptions around the edges. Uh, But the other point that I'd make is that while it's really helpful to do this for the mainstream private car, diesel. Particularly is going to have a very long tail. We're talking about at least another generation of internal combustion engine technology running on our our, our economies. And um, you know the the global economy runs on diesel. And um, Kieran, like lots of the rest of us, probably wishes that isn't true. And um, but Kieran, like the rest of us, kind of has to acknowledge that it is. So this is a bit of a journey, but it's really exciting. And if you look at the potential for zero emission cars. And, um, you know, I look forward to having completely different rows with Kieran in the future about congestion in cities mm. uh, when we won't be talking about environmental damage because we would have fixed it. So that that's really exciting.
0: OK, now, uh, I mentioned that you're buying an electric car yeah. and the pricing. <clears throat> Explain how how it compares the vehicle you're buying with, for example, an equivalent. Well, at the moment,
1: it's too expensive. If it wasn't for specific government supports, you would be looking at paying 45 to 50 grand for a car where the petrol equivalent is 30 um, and that is just too much an upfront. Now because of government incentives that price comes down but you're still looking at a premium of maybe 10% to 12% to go electric versus the equivalent model. Now you will get that back over the lifetime of the car because of the fuel savings but at the moment it's kind of skewed. <clears throat> if you want to go electric you kind of have to be able to make that capital investment upfront. If you're an ordinary consumer with a cost of living crisis and you look at, say, the value of buying a second-hand car that's three years old, the economics of that stack up much better. So it will take time for this to bleed Through, Um, But it'll be led now by the manufacturers. That's happening already. And we'll Mm -hmm. get to the stage where
0: you just can't buy a new combustion engine because everything on offer is is electric. Yeah, I mean, uh, I put it to the minister that uh, they should be incentivising fleets in big companies to go electric because they are the cars that become the quality second-hand cars Very Very much much so. so. Very
1: very much so. And you have to encourage that. And from government's point of view, that means a loss of revenue. uh, And it's something that they have to be forward thinking about because the days of government getting huge chunks of money via petrol and diesel, those days are disappearing as well. So there might be a fundamental rethink there about where five billion annually of government revenue actually comes from. But a good investment for it at the moment is to support the transition to electric vehicles. And there's loads that needs to be done to facilitate that. And you have to recognise why on that journey, that you're talking at least 30 years, at least 30 years of diesel in particular, remaining of fundamental importance mm. to mobility and to
0: the economy. A, a couple of uh, texts coming in. Please ask the Green MEP if these new laws have taken account of the limited resources of precious metals needed in the batteries. Ciarán?
2: Mm, yeah, there's been a lot of work done on this. Uh, and there are challenges uh, in uh, securing the supply and ensuring decent labour conditions uh, for for these new uh, materials that we're using. But we've had the same challenges in the uh, oil and gas industry for over 100 years. Uh, and the conditions in parts of Nigeria and elsewhere uh, that oil workers and communities uh, are in um, are not that dissimilar. Um, But I think as we make this transition, we may we need to ensure that uh, labor rights are protected, that communities are protected, that issues around child uh, labor are addressed. Uh, And that is happening, but it needs to ramp up. Um, But it's not as if. And the, the technology and the energy we've been using for over 100 years uh, doesn't have very similar yeah. problems, okay, if not worse ones.
1: Yeah, and Ciarán knows this, but EU laws can have unintended consequences. There was the biofuels directive of 20 years ago, which is a very well-meaning piece of legislation to encourage biofuels. It had unintended consequences, where in the developing world, people started growing biofuel crops instead of food crops, and it affected world food prices. The European Union is so big that it can cause distortions like that downstream and that will be a really, really important um, collateral consequence of these acts that the EU will have to
0: keep an eye on. Okay. I think Kieran's aware uh, of that. I want to go to um, Michael healy Ray. <coughs> has been listening to all of this. Uh, Michael, it's 12 years away, a lifetime away, uh, as connor was pointing out in Telephone Technology, the smartphone of 12 years ago was rather primitive compared to that today. So, the world will have changed dramatically. What do you think?
3: Well, I think that forward planning is what all this is about and uh, Unfortunately, the present government haven't exactly shrouded themselves in glory in forward planning because we've seen the mess they've made of, for instance, the energy crisis that we have in Ireland. And what I mean by that is when you see a minister for the environment looking at buying jet engines, which is a fact... Uh, to make electricity to power our homes because of the fact that we don't actually have enough electricity in Ireland at present.
0: Well, Except, Michael, they're gas turbines. I mean, they're, they're, but, they're not but, the kind of thing you strap but, onto a but, wing.
3: Well, no, no, but Pat, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly the purchases I'm talking about yeah. they're making. You know that they have left us down completely when it comes to, for instance, the Shannon LNG facility would have taken away our reliance on England and on France and other people to give us electricity. We've seen the crippling uh, cost of of electricity. And I don't want this to be blamed on the Ukraine war because that is not factual either. There seems to be an over-reliance that we should all be using more and more electricity, whether it's for motor cars, whether it's for our homes. And at the same time, we're producing less and less of it at an enormous expense and at an enormous cost. Now, one thing that Kieran really glossed over was all he said about it was a lot of work is being done in that regard. And that is what it actually takes to produce the materials that are going to the components that go into uh, an electric car and the batteries, for example, because one of the most efficient actually things that you could ever have, and we have an awful lot of them in Ireland, and we're looking now at these actually being put off the road or being, uh, we'll say, phased out. And that is a perfectly well maintained, uh, properly running diesel engine, because if you look at the environmental damage that an electric car takes to make it, and then in this in this life, at the end of its its time, uh, there are enormous environmental implications in that. But everybody chooses to ignore that. It's not that I'm trying to say that you won't have change in time. Of course, you can have natural change. But when you put it, and like it's fine out to say 2035 is a lifetime away in the in regards to technology advancements. But look at it, a year is a year, and those 12 years won't actually be long going. And the question I have is, do the people really think that you can rely on this government or future government to have us prepared? In other words, will the charging points, yeah. will the actual supply of ESP? will it be there will they be affordable will the infrastructure yeah. be now, now, Michael in,
0: in, in truth normally what happens I remember when the Green Party uh, introduced a new uh, tax regime for taxing cars and the government lost a fortune uh, because they didn't seem to be aware that the motor industry was actually doing its bit mm-hmm. uh, to reduce emissions and so you could buy a BMW 5 series and pay far less than for a modest Ford Fiesta which is crazy stuff mm-hmm. um, in the same way what well, you were talking about there, the motor industry will decide what vehicles we can buy. That, well, that's the well, truth of it.
3: Well, and the other truth is that the people can only afford what they're able to afford. Politicians can make whatever rules they like, whether it's here or whether it's over in Europe. But at the end of the day, the people can only afford what they can afford. If you look at present, what's happening with ESP costs, you know whether it's a small business or whether it's Mrs Murphy trying to heat her house. People can only pay what they can pay. I often talk about mom's purse you can be the Minister for Finance, you can be the Chancellor of the Exchequer, you can be whatever you like. But the most common sense thing when it comes to budget and to running anything, it's mom's purse. That's a Friday evening, whether mom and her purse uh, can run her house, can run their business, which is a family mm. And then that transgresses onto all other walks of yeah. life.
0: Now, the and thing is if mommy could buy an electric car, second hand or otherwise, uh, putting electricity into the battery at home would be cheaper than putting petrol or diesel into a car at the pump.
3: But but then you must look at the practical side of that. I cited recently on the record of the Dal two people that left Dublin heading to County Kerry in two electric cars. Between the two of them, they had cost an enormous amount of money. I actually quoted the amount of money. I'm certainly not going to name the vehicles because I wouldn't dare do that in your show. But I'll put it to you this way. Neither of the two of them made it to County Kerry. And uh, so I know that that might be the case now and I'm sure that the two gentlemen that are on with you there, they're correct when they say yes, advancements will be made yeah. and it's no more than the phone you have today isn't related to the phone you had in your pocket five or ten years ago and it's still called a mobile phone but what you have today is an actual computer that, yeah. that can do everything I, I mean, if
0: you, if you go back to the Nissan Leaf, the first really mass-produced yes. electric car, it got about 60 miles, if that even, uh, in its first iteration. It's now driving hundreds hundreds of kilometres on its full charge. Uh, and, you know, it, it will get to the point where a, a typical standard battery will probably deliver 700 kilometres, mm. uh, you, you know, but, on a full charge. But that Pat, will that'll be a game changer in just a few short years.
3: Yes, but Pat, the whole point is that things will happen and things will evolve in time. But politicians come way along and putting rules and deadlines. It's like what happened, for instance, and, I, and, and don't shoot me for giving this example. And of course, the Greens won't want me to do this. But I just want to get this point across. It was like shutting down Borna Bona and deciding it was a good idea to import Bells briquettes from Germany and peat from Lafayette for our horticultural industry. I'm giving that as an example to show what forward planning is when it's not done. Because they didn't plan ahead. They didn't organize themselves. They just brought in the rule and the regulation, but didn't sort of think, well, what are we going to do? After that, and it 's the exact same thing with this saying that we'll have no more petrol or diesel cars after twenty thirty five well will everything be in place if 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 it all goes correctly and goes ahead. Uh, properly, and if the infrastructure is there, if the public transport is available in rural Ireland as much and as good as it's available in urban Ireland, wouldn't that be great? But do I think that will happen? Well, I'll have to be convinced because they haven't convinced me to date because, they, like I say, right. they haven't shrouded um, themselves in glory.
0: OK, I, I'll go back to uh, Kieran Cuff. Uh, there's a lot of uh, points there about the bogs and all the rest of it. But a few things. Ivan says, if synthetic fuel, carbon neutral fuel, becomes on a par with conventional fuel, would Europe reverse the decision?
2: I I think, Pat, synthetic fuels absolutely have a role to play, uh, but I think that will be in aviation and shipping. Uh, I'm currently working on legislation on sustainable aviation fuels. There's a big push, interestingly, to push biofuels. And like Connor, yeah. uh, once bitten, twice shy, I don't think biofuels are the answer. Uh, well, yeah, because to, you take food uh, out,
0: uh, out of production uh, to produce fuel. Uh, another one, if electric is going to be so fantastic, why bother banning diesel and petrol? Surely the carrot of a brilliant electric car should be sufficient. That's from Cormac.
2: Well I I think you need both carrots and sticks Uh, and and look like many years ago when we banned smoky coal uh, and took lead out of petrol there were those who said uh, we're going too fast and too soon and Pat I'm old enough to remember coal workers protesting in Dublin uh, about the ban on smoky coal but I'm asthmatic and I remember gasping for breath uh, when we had uh, uh, mm-hmm. s- uh, smog in our cities during winter. And yeah. Dr. Luke now, Clancy now, did extraordinary work on that.
0: The point I made at the beginning about you guys being in Strasbourg and sharing your time at Brussels, uh, this uh, texture called uh, DECK, Uh, No, this is not from Dex. I'll read Dex one first. Great idea in theory. Build lots of wind farms, run old cars on cheaply produced electricity. But these farms are privately owned and charges the same rate for power as those who generate with oil and gas. It's nuts. And that's about the electric market and how dysfunctional it is. We didn't get cheaper electricity even on days when we were... uh, Producing 80% of the power on our grid by the wind. We didn't get cheaper electricity. So that's screwy. He's right, Uh, Declan is. How much carbon is used moving all the civil servants from Strasbourg uh, to and from Brussels? How many government jets are used by European governments? Uh, What about these new war tanks for the war in Ukraine? Are they electric? These politicians, it's do as I say, not do as I do.
2: Well, Pat, the, the, the shift between Strasbourg and, and Brussels is crazy, and I'd certainly like to see an end to it. The argument in its favour is that it has helped keep the peace in, in this part of Europe since World War II, because Strasbourg was fought over between France and, and Germany many times. And by gosh, there are still rows in the European Parliament between France and Germany. Thankfully, they are peaceful. Uh, I think it's important to state that. Just to go back to, to the phase-out and the legislation that we moved forward yesterday, it's not been done in isolation. We also have a new, a new law on charging infrastructure, which will dramatically increase the uh, places where you can charge in each of the 27 countries. Okay, so, so for Ireland, what does that mean? I mean, legislation well, is one thing, implementation is something else. Yeah, every 50 kilometres uh, on the main roads around Ireland, there will be chargers. So that's a massive rollout, and I think there's €100 million Euro, uh, going to be spent on that. Every 50 uh, kilometres on,
0: on what? On main roads, dual uh, carriageways? On, on main
2: roads, Pat. Uh, uh, so that will be so it won't help Michael thing. necessarily. Well, I think it will, certainly on the road, uh, if he's in Dublin, between Dublin and Kerry. And there is the ZEVI, the unit in the Department of Transport, uh, that are working on this. On the wider issue, then, of the, the benefits of, of renewable energy, and actually I'm just coming from uh, a breakfast meeting that I hosted with Commissioner Kadri Simpson, the energy uh, commissioner, there is new legislation coming forward in a month's time uh, on this strategic decoupling uh, of the energy market to ensure that when the prices come down on renewables, to ensure that that is passed on to the consumer. So mm-hmm. all of this is happening at a European level. Level It does take time, a bit like the, the, the uh, diesel and petrol changes, that's 12 years away. We'll certainly see changes happening in the electricity markets long before then. But a bit like, um, you know, uh, making a change, we need to ensure that we look at the secondary impacts. To ensure that we don't kind of rearrange how the markets operate and ta- have consequences that we haven't foreseen. Right. But there is work progressing on right. that. Which A, I think and is we'll really watch that with hopeful. interest
0: because the market is surely dysfunctional at the moment. Kieran Cuff, MEP for Dublin, thank you very much. Last words from you, Connor? I'm delighted to see the law. I think you can push
1: the big development money of the big car manufacturers. It, it, you won't give them morals, but you can tell them where to go. And if they're spending their money on clean technologies, we will benefit from
0: that. And so won't have any choice in what they offer us, that's for sure. (laughs) Finally, from you, Michael.
3: If you take what Kieran just said, Michael will be all right if he's driving from Dublin to Kerry. What about when you're in Kerry? Do you realise that to go from Vlinch Island, if the ferry isn't running, and drive from Vlinch Island to Tarbert, I can actually go from my house to Dublin quicker? So in other words, straddling the length of Kerry... Are we seriously going to say to the people that there'll be enough charging points in all of those places? No, it won't. And he didn't address the last point. Where is the electricity going to come from? They don't want us to have an LNG facility. They don't want us to burn fossil fuels where are we going to generate is it, it's not coming from wind as we that has been proven there isn't enough coming from that where is it going to come from fall from the sky they must answer those questions before um, they live any credibility I think the
0: idea is offshore uh, in the Atlantic uh, that's where a lot of it will come from and we'll be trading our wind on windy days for nuclear on quiet days that's, uh, and we have a discussion on nuclear power later on in the programme. Michael Healy Ray Independent TD for Kerry thank you very much and Conor Falknan and uh, Kieran Cuff uh, thank you all For joining in that discussion.
1: The Pat Kenny Show with
2: Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.